All right, yeah, you guys have a seat. Um, Luke chapter 6, we're going to hang out there for a few minutes. And then, so I'm going to give you a couple other scriptures real fast. If you want to bookmark them in your Bibles or however, you know, if you got it on your phone, that's awesome. There's some Bibles under some chairs if you want to grab one. And you can have that Bible if you don't have a Bible at all. You can have one that's under a chair. You can have that. Um, and then in your Bible. So just open up to Luke chapter 6. Also, Matthew 7, okay? And then maybe bookmark over on First John as well, First John. So... We're going to hang out in those few spots. But here's, here's, the, here's the gist of this morning, okay? Simple message today. And Lauren just read uh, this passage that ended with the question, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? We're in this series, Questions That Jesus Asked. And um, Jesus all the time is just asking questions. He, he does so to teach. He does so to penetrate into a, a moment or a conversation with a, with a piercing question. And this isn't really a conversation that's going on in this uh, passage. This is uh, more just Jesus teaching and Jesus talking, sort of a discourse, a monologue of his. And right in the middle of it, he just asks that question. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? That's a question, isn't it? <laughs> if you hear that as a, as a believer, and man, I mean, I, I read that a hundred times this week, just thinking, I don't know if I can preach this because he's talking to me. Now, why do we call him Lord and we don't obey him? Here's the thing. Um, throughout the Bible, y'all, there is this correlation of obedience and our relationship that we have with God. Throughout scripture, from the very beginning all the way through, I mean, start with Adam and Eve, right? They had this perfect walk with God. They literally walked with him, talked with him, met with him in the garden. And then what did they do? They disobey. And what happens? Separation. The relationship that they had is now strained and even had to leave the garden and they can't walk and talk with God face to face anymore. And then again, so that's, the, that's an easy example. But throughout Old Testament history, we just see again and again and again, God call his people into obedience to him, to his word, to follow after him. And when they do, their relationship with him is good and it's full and it's rich. And then when they don't, there's separation and there's fear and there's judgment and there's punishment and there's consequences for the things that they do. And this is the overarching message of the prophets when the prophets come in at the, old, at the end of the Old Testament. That again and again and again they keep telling Israel it is because of your disobedience that you're now in exile. It's because of your disobedience that the Assyrians have attacked you, the Babylonians have attacked you, the Egyptians have attacked you, whoever. It's because you're not listening to God. He's given you his word. And you refuse to obey him, right? So there's always this again and again and again, this correlation between our relationship with God and the obedience that we are or are not living in. So here's the question for us this morning. Do you feel close to the Lord right now? Do you feel like you're walking with him? Do you feel like you know him? Do you feel like your relationship with God is strong and fruitful and thriving? The, the beginning of the passage Lauren just read, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. He's just about fruitfulness from our lives. And that is all about our relationship with Jesus. He says in, in John chapter 15, we can't bear any fruit without him unless we're abiding in him, right? That's walking in obedience. Is your relationship with Jesus right now like that? Is it fruitful and is it good? Do you feel close to him? How close do you feel with God right now? And the simple answer is, if you do, I guarantee you this, you're living in obedience to him. And if you don't, 
you're not. I mean, is that a simple message? It is. But it's the hardest thing sometimes for us to hear that maybe my relationship with God isn't so great because my obedience to God isn't so obedient. And I'm not actually walking with him. The prophet Amos, Amos chapter 5 it's not on the screen, but he, he just says, there's, the, there's this passage in Amos 5 where God is speaking through the prophet Amos and he tells his people this. He says, away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps and lyres. And he says, instead, let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never ending stream. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm tired of you singing to me and not obeying me. That's what God was saying through the prophet Amos. And I wonder, do we come in here and look, I think it's a great day for this message, honestly. We didn't really set it up this way, but the fact that we're, man, we're doing this this morning, we're gonna have worship tonight and prayer tonight and all of that. But in the midst of that, we have to ask this question, are we singing to God and not actually living for God? Because again, the Bible's so full of this idea that God does not delight in our songs if we're not living out his commands in our lives. He even tells Jeremiah, the prophet, you know what he tells Jeremiah? He literally tells him, God tells Jeremiah, don't even pray for these people. Don't pray for them because I'm not listening and I'm not responding. You know why? Because they're not going to obey me. Guys, that's harsh. Peter says, husbands, you know what Peter says to husbands? He says, husbands, if you're not obeying God and how you treat your wives, God doesn't hear your prayers. Obedience matters to God, does it not? And Jesus asked this question. So we shouldn't be surprised when the God of the Old Testament, who is the same God as the God of the New Testament, who shows up in the person of his son, Jesus, that he speaks exactly the same way in the New Testament that he does in the Old. Because he's still, he's still God and obedience still matters to him. So that's the, that's the message today, that our obedience to God, it's not a suggestion for the people of God to obey the will of God, to obey the commands of God. It is a requirement for us that we listen and we obey what he says. So in Luke 6 here, he says again, so let me read that passage again. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or, or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? I will show you what he is like. Now listen to this. He's going to give us an illustration of what it's like to call Jesus Lord and not obey him. I will show you what he's like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. 48. He is like a man who builds a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. Raise your hand if you want to live a life that is unshakable. Okay, me too. You know how you do that according to Jesus? Obey him. Obey him. Verse 49. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it what? Collapsed. 
and his destruction was complete. So that's Luke chapter 6. Flip over to Matthew 7. Flip over to Matthew 7. It's, it's a parallel passage to this. So Luke chapter 6 um, would be Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. Luke, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is Matthew's version of the same sermon. By the way, this was probably a sermon because some people kind of question this. They look at passages like this and they go, well, it's not word for word exactly the same in both books. So these people must have been making it up. They must have been lying, which is just crazy, right? One, Matthew is remembering the sermon from what he heard, right? If you guys get in a growth group and y'all talk about the sermon from this morning, probably you all heard some different things. Things, right? But it's the same sermon. Matthew's talking about the sermon from what he heard. Luke's sharing it from eyewitnesses that they heard the sermon. And you got to remember this, Jesus probably preached the sermon more than once, right? All over the place. I've preached the same sermon many times in many different places. Preachers do this all the time. Jesus did this all the time. So Jesus preaching the sermon in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's the same sermon, but it's Matthew's recollection of this. Okay, so let's go to Matthew 7. Here's what, here's what Jesus says. Same, same idea, but I want to pull something out of this. Starting in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So a little bit different phrasing here, but listen to what Jesus says. Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. It's very similar story. So I want to pull this out of this because I think this, this really matters. When Jesus says in Luke's version, right, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what? Not do what I say, right? And then Matthew, remembering the same sermon, Jesus says, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven. So in Matthew's version, it's about doing the will of the father, right? And in Luke's version, it's about doing what Jesus says, let me ask you this, okay? Let's be theologians in here for a second. Is there a difference from doing what Jesus says and doing the will of God? No, exactly. You guys are amazing. Y'all are awesome. Y'all are theologians, okay? There is no difference. So here, here's a note to take, okay? You want to do the will of the Father. Do you want to do the will of God in your life? Here's how you do it. Do what Jesus says. Can we, is that Okay. Can we write that down and live by that? I think we can. Guys, our God is so amazing because he gives us his will very clearly all throughout the Bible. And especially in, my mom has a lot of red in here. This is stuff that Jesus said, right? Especially in the words of his son, the words of his son. You know, Luke chapter nine, Luke chapter, I'm not gonna read this, but Luke chapter nine is the transfiguration. Y'all know that story? The transfiguration. Jesus goes up on this mountain. He takes three of his disciples with him. And while they're up there, they see this amazing scene where Elijah shows up, the greatest prophet, and Moses shows up, who represents the law of God. So we got law and prophets, and we got Jesus in the middle. And they hear the voice of the Father. And you know what he says? This is my son. Listen to him. That's what he says. You got Moses and Elijah in the midst of this. Peter and James and John have to be watching this going, that's Moses, that's crazy. That's Elijah, that's insane. And God doesn't even reference that they're in the room. 
He says, this is my son. You listen to who? Elijah? No. Moses? Nah. Jesus. Listen to my son is what they hear him say. How do we do the will of the Father? I know that's a question we've all had. I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but just think, have you ever asked that? How do I do the will of God? The answer is, do what Jesus says and follow it. Now you might be thinking, Jesus doesn't say everything. Jesus doesn't give us all the answers to everything. No, but guess what? The rest of the New Testament, the apostles are writing with the authority that who gave them? Jesus to write the rest of the New Testament. So when we listen to Paul and John and Peter, we're listening to Jesus and we're doing what he says because Jesus gave them that authority to do this, okay? So for us, y'all, we listen to, to the Father by doing what Jesus says. Notice who he's talking to here, by the way. What does Jesus say? Why do you call me what? Lord, Lord. So he's talking to people who call him Lord. He's not talking to people who don't call him Lord, is he? He's not talking to people who don't care about him. He's not talking to people who aren't going to church. He's not talking to people who don't pretend to be Christians. He's talking to people who are admitting and confessing, I'm following Jesus. He's talking to, like for our context, he's talking to us He's talking to people who go to church. He's talking to the Christian people that we at least profess. We have made a profession that he is our Lord. And he says, why do you do that if you're not going to obey me? Okay. So it's kind of this idea of like, we see this a couple of times throughout scripture where it's like, pick a side, right? Either pick the side of you're not following me at all and don't call me Lord and don't follow me, but I'm not talking to you or pick the side where you call me Lord. And if you pick that side, you better not just do it as lip service. You actually follow me, right? Jesus says this in in Revelation 3, where he's talking to Laodicea, the church in Revelation. He says, I wish you were hot or cold. I don't want you to be in the middle. I don't want you to call me Lord and not do what I say. I wish you would just either not do what I say or call me Lord and do it, right? Because at least if you're just living over here, You know you're not following Jesus, and everybody knows you're not following Jesus. If you try to live in the middle, guess what? It's confusing to you and to the world. So Jesus is just saying, if you're not going to follow me, just stop calling me Lord. But if you're going to do it, man, follow me. Listen to me. Obey me. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Turn over to 1 John, if you would, if you have that. Turn over to 1 John. I think 1 John's just maybe the best book in the Bible for just simply putting, how do we obey and follow after Jesus? I'm going to read you three passages. 1 John 2, 1 John 2, 3 through 6, he says this. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commandments. How do you know if you know God? You obey his commandments. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. Pretty clear, pretty simple. Uh, 1 John 3, look at 1 John 3, uh, starting in verse 16. 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has, oh, he's going to get up in our business right here. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Let that one hang out for a second. Dear children, let us not love in words or with tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. 
wherever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Last passage in 1 John, 1 John 5, 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Common theme throughout those verses is what? Obey God if you love God. If you don't love God, you won't obey God. And if you're not obeying God, you don't love God. The love of God does not live in you, he says, if you're not living in obedience to him. So Jesus being the perfect fulfillment of both God's word, right? We just saw that. This is my son, listen to him, that the will of the father is wrapped up in Jesus. So when we follow him, we follow his will. Jesus is the personification of God's word and the personification of God's love. First John 4, 8 says, God is love. So when we follow Jesus, what are we doing? We're living according to his word and we're gonna do that in what? Love. How do we do the will of God? You love God and you love others. Oh, like that is it. Jesus answered that question, Matthew 22. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and love your neighbor as yourself. It's love. Love is the fulfillment of this. Love is our obedience to God, to Jesus. And this is exactly, by the way, what John means. So in chapter two right there, the, the first one I read, where he says, this is how his love is made complete in us, right? Uh, let, me, let me read that again, verse five. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. God's love is made complete in us as we obey it in love. Here's, here's a picture of that, okay? So uh, this, is a, this is a light, okay? You guys can see that, obviously. Um, let me ask you this question. Does this light currently have power? This is not a trick, like it is plugged in. Does this light currently have power? It does, right? Like it has power in it. It has everything that it needs. Scripture tells us in, in Romans chapter five that God has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God pours his love into us by his Holy Spirit. When you became a Christian, when you started following Jesus, he poured it like you have everything that you need in order to be everything that God has called you to be. But here's the question that I wanna ask you now. Is this light doing what it was made to do right now? No! Now it is, right? I'm not gonna shine it at you, but now it's doing what it was made to do. It's not complete until what? It does what it was created to do. It does what the electricity that lives inside of it made it to do, allows it to do, right? God has poured his love into our hearts and we can choose to live our lives like this in disobedience. But if we're going to be complete, God's love is not made complete until we live according to his word and actually do the things that we've been called to do. So that's just a, a simple illustration, maybe to help us understand what John's talking about there. God's love has not done its full work in you until it is at work through you. God's love has not done its full work in you until it is at work through you. That's important for us. And I wanna make this, this note as well. 
Because he says, I'm going to go back to chapter 5 here. He says his commands are not burdensome to us. Like this is love for God to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. So here's a thought. And I was just thinking about this this week about our obedience to Jesus and this word rest. Everybody say the word rest. Let me ask you a question. What is the opposite of rest? What? I heard a lot of different words. Busy, strife, what else? Give me, give me a word. Restlessness. Okay, good word right there. A lot, of, a lot of times, I think this is what we do. We, we think that the opposite of rest is just work, right? That that's the opposite of rest, work. But here's the reality. And, and honestly, a lot of you guys just nailed it on the head. We know in our soul the opposite of rest is not work because work in and of itself is good. You know Adam worked before sin entered the world? He did. Why? Because work is what? It's purposeful. It's good. It's actually life-giving to us. We're actually going to have jobs in heaven. I don't know if you guys have read Revelation recently. We will. But it won't be toil. It won't be stress. It won't be strife. It'll be good, fruitful, productive work that we are given by the Father to live in, right? So rest is not the opposite of work. Rest is the opposite. According to Hebrews 3 and 4, you know what rest is the opposite of? Disobedience disobedience is the opposite of rest. In Hebrews 3 and 4, the author draws this idea out again and again about the Israelites that they could never enter the rest of God. You know why? Because they were disobedient to him. Again and again and again. Because think about this. If you could somehow live a life that was perfectly obedient to Jesus. Just imagine this for a second. You could live a life perfectly obedient to Jesus. Would you be a person who worked hard? Yes, you absolutely would be. You would be a person who always had some sort of work that you could be doing and were doing in the Father's will and for his glory. But at the same time, I guarantee you this, you would be the most restful peaceful person that has ever lived. I don't know, like maybe Jesus, right? Jesus is the example of this, right? Where he lived perfectly in the will of God. And yet Jesus was a man who without doubt lived the most restful, peaceful, inner peace type life that anyone could ever live. Why? Because he was doing the father's will. He knew what he was here to do and he did it. Jesus was not lazy, Jesus had work to do all the time, and yet he was at rest. He was at peace. That would be us, y'all. That would be us. Psalm 119, verse 92. It's not up on the screen, but it says this. It says, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. If your law had not been my delight, God, I would have perished in my affliction. Let me ask you this. Are you afflicted this morning? Are you anxious? Are you stressed out? Are you suffering? Is your soul weary? Does your life feel heavy or dark or hopeless? Delight yourself in the law of the Lord and you will not perish. That is a beautiful truth. 
doesn't mean life's not going to be hard. That just means we delight ourselves in his law. So listen, I know there are, cause, there are some causes for like anxiety and things like that that are not self-induced. Um, but uh, psychologists today, they have identified nine common causes of anxiety. Seven of them are self-induced. Seven of them are things that we do to ourselves. And I guarantee you, if you will look at your life across the board and you are just feeling stressed and your soul is not restful, there's no peace in your life, whatever that looks like, I guarantee you, you could probably sweep the course of your life and look at how you're living and answer this question, is there disobedience here? And the answer is going to be yes. There are ways for all of us, myself included, there are ways that we need to take uh, ex- examine our lives and look at how we're living and just ask this question every day. Am I living in obedience to Jesus? Because we cause ourselves restlessness and stress and anxiety and fear and doubt and hopelessness by our lack of obedience to Christ. I, I, can, I could share that testimony. Many of you could share that testimony of how much more peace you have in your life when you are following Jesus than when you're not. Even when things are hard, amen? Even when things are hard. Because peace isn't about the absence of hard things. It's about the presence of Jesus in hard things. And we can live with his peace if we're living in obedience, even in the midst of the worst storms. Those two houses, which, which, which house got hit by a storm in Jesus' story? Both but there was one built on a foundation of obedience to Christ and it did not fall. So here's, here's what I want to do. Um, we're going to throw up some, some graphics here on the screen. And today, again, it's just about obedience to Christ and what these are, as we're talking about the commands of Jesus. And we just said, it's all about love, loving God and loving people. It's kind of how you can break it into two big categories. But within that, here are things Jesus says. There are verse references and there are actual commands that Jesus gives. I want you to read them as they come up here on the screen. Repenting, remaining in me, loving God with everything, obeying God's law. Go to the next one. Let your light shine. Pray fast. Give offering. Don't worry. Trust God. Don't love money. Seek God's kingdom before everything else. Pursue the Lord. Ask him for what you need. Deny yourself. Be my witnesses. Are you witnessing? Are you sharing Christ with people? It's a command. Remember me. It's what we do when we take communion. Watch and pray. Wait for my return. These are commands of Jesus. All about loving God. Let's go to the next one. Here's love for others. Forgiving others. Not judging others. Not lusting after another person. Telling the truth. Sacrificing for others. Loving your enemies. Loving your enemies, anybody? Do as unto others. Honor your parents. Pray. Don't despise your children. Being humble, loving your neighbor, being hospitable to the poor, taking care of the needy. Again, sharing the gospel. Y'all, these are commands of Jesus. These are not suggestions of Jesus. This is the will of God. As you read those things, are you thinking, yes, 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 I'm doing all that. Or like me, are you thinking, yeah, there's a couple there that I'm disobedient to in my life. So we're going to come back to that in a second. But here's how I want to kind of wrap this up. 
and just ask this question, because I haven't really answered this question. Why is Jesus worthy of my love and obedience? Why is he even worthy of it in the first place, right? He says to obey him. What makes him worthy of that? Well, there's two answers I think we could give. And the first one's obviously he's God, right? He is God. But listen, it's not just that he's God. It's not just about his power and authority. The reason that we come in here and sing, the reason that we go out there and live, the reason that we offer ourselves to him. It's not just about those things. It's about his love and his goodness to us. And every one of us in here who are, who are Christians, who are following Jesus, we could share a testimony right now with our neighbors about how God has been good to you, how he has shown his love to you. And I just think about the apostles, Peter and John in the book of Acts, Acts chapter five, and they're standing trial before some of the council members and they're telling them to stop preaching, stop talking about Jesus, stop witnessing. And what do they say? Acts chapter five, they say to him, we cannot help but obey God rather than men. You know why? Because God raised Jesus from the dead. He died for our forgiveness and he's now raised and we are witnesses of this fact. That's what they say. Why do they obey God rather than men? Because Jesus died for them and they saw it. And then he raised back to life and they saw it. And they said, there ain't no way we're obeying anybody but him. And he died for me. What does Philippians say? Philippians 3.12 says, Paul says, I press on towards the prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Why? I, I, I seek to take hold of that. He says, I wanna take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. Why does Paul obey Jesus? Why does he press on? Because Jesus has taken hold of him. He's taken hold of him. He saved him. He redeemed him. He helped him out of the place that he was in. He showed him the light and he showed him his grace. And now he wants to walk in obedience forever. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Paul says, Be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love. What did he just say? He said, live a life of love. Why? Because you're dearly loved children. You're a a child of God. He loves you. He gave his son for you. So be an imitator of him and go live a life of love. And maybe the simplest way you could say it is 1 John 4, 19. He says, we love because he first loved us. Why do we obey Jesus? Because he first loved us. When Paul turns in the book of Romans to the application section, chapter 12, he starts chapter 12 like this. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Why do we offer ourselves to Jesus? Because of his mercy. Because he's good. Not just because he's God. Yes, he's God. But he's good. He died for us. That's why. So let's ask Jesus. Let's, Let's let Jesus ask us that question one more time this morning. Why do you call me Lord? not do what I say. So here's the question. Do you call him Lord and not do what he says? Here's what we're going to do. Just for a couple minutes, Scott's here and he's just going to play and kind of give us the time to to reflect and pray. And I just want to ask you guys to do this with me because I know there's not a person in this room who who can say I'm perfectly obeying Jesus, okay? None of us, we're all on the same playing field, okay? So here's what I want you to do. Here's what we're all going to do, I hope. We're gonna repent 
We're gonna repent of our disobedience right now. We're gonna return to him in faith and just offer yourself back to him in view of his mercy. Just come back to him. Or maybe listen, for the first time in your life, you wanna say, Jesus is my Lord today. I know that he died for me. I'd see what he did for me. And I wanna come to him in faith. Maybe that's the first time today. Or for the rest of us, just come back to him today. And then I want you to receive his love. Know that he is good. Know that he did die for you. And then I want you to respond as we leave here in faithful, love-filled obedience. So we're gonna put those screens back up here. And just for the next um, six minutes or so, five, six minutes, we're just gonna let us respond, okay? It has nothing to do with what I'm saying this morning. It's Jesus, listen to him and do what he says. I'm gonna hang out down here. If you need prayer specifically from me or whatever, you can come down and I'll pray for you. You can just come down if you feel like you need to and just pray at the altar here this morning. You can sit in your seat and do that. Repent and respond to him in faith and obedience. So let's do that. Let's pray together. Lord, um, I, I speak for myself um, just to say that God, I know I'm disobedient to you at times in ways, some of the ways on the screen behind me that I don't follow your son the way I should. God, I just feel, especially days like this, I guess I just feel unworthy to even preach a message like this because I'm just, I'm one of us. <laughs> God, I pray that, that you would just draw my heart closer to you and to see your son for all that he is. And I pray that for all of us, that where there's disobedience in our lives, God, maybe it's just that we're not seeing Jesus clearly enough. We're not looking, we're not opening our eyes to see him in your word and by your spirit that lives within us. We're not viewing your mercy. We're not looking to the cross. We're, we're being selfish and we're thinking life is about us. God, humble us, humble me. Reveal to us our disobedience and let us not be okay to just shrug it off and go on about our lives. I pray that you would bother us and give us no peace, give us no rest where there is disobedience in our lives. As a church, God, do that for us. Individually, yes, but collectively as your body. If we are not being obedient, Father, don't give us peace until we humble ourselves and seek you in obedience and live it out. Show us, God, what you would have us do. And that means just show us your word and let us listen to your son. You've told us this morning, we will not enter your kingdom if we are not obedient to Jesus. So God, let that stay in our minds and our hearts that we would seek you, seek your will above all things and your kingdom first, knowing that you will work and you will provide. And yes, it will be hard work. And yes, we will struggle at times. And yes, we will fall and fail. 
But God, let us never question whether or not we are living our lives like Paul, pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us. And give us rest in that hard work, even in suffering, even in pain. Give us rest as we obey you. God, we repent together this morning and we seek to obey your word. Lead us to do that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all. Um, yeah, thank you so much for being here today. And really, seriously, this is me talking to me as much to y'all. Let's go be a church that really does this, just really obeys Jesus, okay? Y'all come back tonight, 5.30, and we're gonna continue seeking him, all right? We're gonna pray and we're gonna worship together. All right, see y'all there.